Chris Dawson is spending the rest of his life in jail for the murder of his wife and preying on a former student. But for four decades he was a free man. Dawson, now 77, was found guilty of killing his wife Lynette so he could pursue a relationship with a schoolgirl known legally as JC. Now a new book, The Schoolgirl, Her Teacher and His Wife by Rebecca Hazel details the story of his two victims and sheds fresh light on one of the country's most notorious cases and of the years-long fight to bring him to justice. And I'm really pleased to say we've got Rebecca on the line. Hi, Rebecca. Hi, Bill. How are you? Oh, I'm good, thank you. Um, Good. How did you get involved in this story? Well, I was working in a women's refuge in 2007. I was working there as a lawyer. Yeah. And the story landed in my lap. It wasn't from one of the women who came seeking our help. It was from a colleague. Yeah. And that colleague was the the schoolgirl who was then an adult woman um, also working at the refuge. So it was kind of a first-hand account of the story through the eyes of the schoolgirl Dawson pursued, was it? Yeah, that's exactly right, Bill. Understandably, over the years, um, she's been reluctant to speak out. Yes. But, um, yeah, I was privileged to have her tell me what she knew, what she saw and what her thoughts were. (laughs) And um, for those who don't know, she moved into his house just days after Lynette's disappearance, eh? Yes, that's correct. Probably two, three days afterwards. So after talking to her, how important was it for you to tell this story? I think it was very important to me, Bill. I went away... Uh, So that was 2007. A few years passed and I couldn't stop thinking about um, her story and and all the people who had been victims in that story. And I I thought a lot about Lynette, obviously, and her two little girls. I was a mother. I lived on the northern beaches and I just thought I can't shape this story. I can't turn away from it. (laughs) So I want to try and pursue it and you know, show what these two women went through. Uh, it's very easy, you know, for these women to be forgotten and it's also yeah. easy for victim, victims to be forgotten even when a perpetrator is brought to justice. And, and you had Josie's blessing for your investigations, didn't you? Yes, she was very open with me, yes. Yeah. So did it take a lot of time and a lot of research and a lot of investigation for you to tell um, Josie's and Lynette's story? It did. It did because... You know, you really need to, as you know, when you're storytelling, and particularly with something that's non-fiction, you need to make sure that, you know, you're challenging yourself to have I got the right information, have I got enough perspectives, is there any other possibility to what could be going on here? So it did. It took a lot of time. I, I interviewed a lot of Lynette's family, a lot of her friends. I spent a lot of time with... Detective Damien Loon, who had investigated Lynette's case for was about 10 years by the time I first heard about it, and it was probably 15 years by the time I, I contacted him and said, I want to write this book. So actually, Damien was incredible, I have to say. He shared a lot of information with me in the hope that any publicity about Lynette's suspected homicide at that point could bring out more witnesses and more information that could ground a conviction. And I believe you worked closely with Lynette's sister Pat and her brother Greg in Newcastle at a critical time in this. 
Yes, I did, and they're just the the most wonderful, wonderful people. <laughs> uh, and I suppose, you know, the book, as well as on, honouring Lynette, I guess what it unexpectedly did too was it really honoured Pat and Greg and the other brother, Philip, and her parents, Helena and Len. It, it, it highlighted the struggle that they have lived with, had lived with for so long yeah. and the efforts that they had made and and I, I think it restored I think it restored dignity to the whole family. And how hard was it for JC to escape the marriage and go to the police and record his suspicions that Dawson had been involved in Lynette's disappearance? That's a very big question and it was extremely difficult for yeah. her. She she was a young woman who had been preyed upon by a teacher at school who lured her into this relationship and then lured her into a marriage. Uh, she was not a free agent. She was still subject to his, you know, yeah. his dictates. She she was too young. So leaving was hard. She didn't have much family support in her family of origin. So it was a very, very, very tough thing she did and she went to the police, as she said to me, simply because it was the right thing to do. So what have you set out to do in telling this story in the schoolgirl, her teacher and his wife? What do you set out to do? I guess I want to, you know, reveal what's inside. We look in, if you'd like, looking at a house, we see what's on the outside, but if you really go inside and look at the people, often what you get is a very different story. Yeah, tell me about it. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, as you know, I'm absolutely sure. So I think that particularly with domestic violence and women being murdered, they are silenced forever. And I could see that JC was potentially silenced forever and this man had changed the trajectory of her life forever. And I just thought, you know, I think in telling their stories, it might give other people the insight into what's really going on with domestic violence victims. And there were kind of three attempts at publication due to legal issues, weren't there? Yeah, that's right. It's, um, you know, when I started writing the book, you know, the hope of a, a conviction was really, really very low down on anyone's radar. Um, so, so why do you think, why do you think the case remained completely unresolved for decades? I think it's a lot of things, Bill. I think, um, I do think the police lacked the will when Lynette disappeared. I think they accepted Chris Dawson's word that she had just left voluntarily Men tended to be the spokesmen for families at that point. And then by the time Damien got on the case, and he was given her file as a missing persons file, not as a homicide, but when he looked at it and he suddenly thought, I've got a homicide here, this isn't a missing person anymore. Um, and, and even after that, he had to keep pressing and pressing and pressing. And, of course, a lot of evidence had been lost by that point. Yeah. And how important do you think the Teacher's Pet podcast was in getting things think, moving? Yeah, I, I think I think it was probably critical, Bill. I, I've wondered for a while if it was, you know, the police that who had been put on the case to reinvestigate it in 2014 and they had prepared another brief that had gone to the DPP. The DPP hadn't made a decision. The podcast started 
And as that grew and grew and grew, I think it just really put pressure on them to say, you need to do something. Mm-hmm. This is not this is not appropriate to sit on your hands. And millions of people can see that. Now, what was it like for you? Because you were called as a witness in the trial and you came mm-hmm. face to face with Dawson. What was it like for you then when you came face to face with him? But, you know, it was quite surprising, Bill. When I, because I was in the witness stand there and there was a lull in proceedings or perhaps before I started giving my evidence and he was probably only sitting 10 metres away from me. And he had a, um, you know, a blue um, mask on, of course, and we just kind of locked eyes and he had a very red face and I just felt this hatred in his eyes towards me. And it just, I, what surprised me was that I was completely unperturbed. I just thought, you have some very legitimate answers, yeah. uh, questions to answer, and that's why you are here. Um, I think he thought he was there because of me and because of Headley. <laughs> well, he probably was, wasn't he? <laughs> well, yes and no, but, you know, we were only pushing um, about something that he had done. Yeah. And he had, you know, if he had good answers to those questions, of course, You know, he wouldn't have been found guilty, but those questions certainly needed to be asked. Now, nobody's been found. Have you got any theories? Oh, I don't really. There's lots of competing theories. Um, I think I don't. I don't think I venture it in the book, but I just don't think they're ever going to find her body. I think it's, you know, it's too late, and he will never reveal. I don't think he'll ever admit that he killed her, so he'll never reveal how he disposed of her body. So what do you want people to take away from your book, The Schoolgirl, Her Teacher and His Wife? What do you want them to take away? I would like people to understand what goes on in domestic violence a little bit better. Um, Domestic violence is a preventable disease. But the prevention really relies on a whole community response and and that's education. I think a lot of people, I mean, even if you talk to a lot of the witnesses who I spoke to and witnesses who appeared at the trial, they all suspected something was going wrong. Yeah. Um, and I think we need to give everyone the courage to, to act. So I guess that's what I'm hoping by, by giving, well, JC and... Lynn dignity and informing others so that this doesn't happen again. The book just released is The Schoolgirl, Her Teacher and His Wife by Rebecca Hazel. And Rebecca, it's been a real pleasure to speak to you tonight. God bless yeah, you and thank you, you too, for doing girl. it. More strength to yeah, you. Pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye.